Hello, and uh, this is Tamikaze returning to uh, our uh, eighth episode of Voices, and it's um, uh, Susie's episode was split into two, and we hope you found that entertaining. Today we have uh, our we have a, our first guest that's been a KJ, so this is a, absolutely awesome that we have this uh, opportunity to do this, and um, his name is. Um, is uh, Keshev, um, or actually, uh, he goes by a few different different uh, nicknames. We'll have him explain. Hey, everybody. Uh, so yeah, my name, as Tom was saying, my name is uh, Kate. Uh, my name is Keshev Swaminathan. Uh, got a couple of nicknames. <laughs> Normally I go by K Push, kind of like a pun on the K Shove nickname. Also go by like K Swiss or um, a couple of the ones, but. <laughs> Yeah, just pretty much whatever. Like Tom said, I uh, just recently started as a KJ around July. So, yeah, just been doing it for a couple months. Pretty interesting. So, just trying to getting used to or acclimated to the karaoke scene. Yes, so uh, in, uh, it's been really fun, um, like, uh, watching um, Keshev um, transition into this um, this role. Because, uh, I saw, like, I believe it was the, the No Pants Party that we... That um, you started um, kind of like the becoming really hands-on on wanting to to do to do um, KJ karaoke, which is awesome. Uh, you had been there. You've been kind of like within the. Um, you had been going to costume, and you had, you were wondering like uh, like uh, how do you become a KJ, right? Which is pretty cool. Uh, so I'm gonna quickly ask uh, Keshev to describe to. The listeners, in a, um, if you were a cartoon, how would you describe yourself? All right. Um, so I guess, in short terms, I would be, <laughs> I could describe myself as a semi-small guy, about five three, uh, Indian, so dark brownish complexion, uh, got dark brown eyes, black hair. No, right now I got a beard going. I've I've had my beard going for about a year, kept a trim, but it's about like you know. Uh, think like Zach Galifianakis from uh, The Hangover, the first one, not any of the other ones, but like that beard type thing. You're just like short and trimmed. Um, so yeah, uh, five foot three Indian. Uh, yeah, I mean, got like slightly, slightly buggy eyes, I guess you could say. <laughs> and <laughs> in between that, is what I would say. Um, I've been told I have a in between um, athletic to dad bod. So. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, uh, because look at you're pretty. Well, you look pretty in shape to me. <laughs> well, in comparison to me, you're definitely in shape. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the other things. Uh, so the one of the things I love about Keshev is that he has uh, an amazing range of like uh, song choices and and um, songs that he does well all across the board so from classic rock to um, to (laughs) from um, classic Beatles to to Kesha (laughs) like uh, an awesome amazing falsetto you'll do classical uh, well I mean uh, like you'll do musicals so really do enjoy that uh, that playfulness and uh, I'll uh, give you back the mic to explain some of your your uh, musical influences yeah, like Tom said, um, I have a pretty wide, eclectic range of songs I do. Um, I guess, like, the influences I have mainly 
I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock. So like Beatles, Queen, Kansas, Boston. Those are all kind of stuff yeah. that I would listen to. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess when I was growing up, I didn't really kind of try to seclude myself from music. I just, you know, I loved listening to music. I was pretty involved with um, a lot of musical outlets. I played, I started playing violin when I was about five years old. Uh, and so did private lessons from there. Started like French horn when I was in fifth grade. And then started actual choir music singing when I was a sophomore in high school. So just all through that, um, you know, had like a background in music. Yeah. Pretty much, and listening to car rides on the radio, I pretty much put any like pop song was on there. So, grew up with all '90s and 2000s pop stuff like that. So you know, um, some, you know, some like Third Eye Blind, love to listen to every now and then. Uh, Foo Fighters is one of my favorites currently. Oh. So yeah, like I love love fucking Dave Grohl. He's, he's just like a, got a great personality, and you know, watching him perform and sing is just amazing. Um, other than that, yeah, I got a lot of 2000s references too. So, yeah, Dave Grohl is just absolutely amazing. Have, have you had a chance to uh, watch this YouTube video about him, like talking about that he really doesn't know like how to play the guitar? Yeah, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> oh. right. Yeah, I seen like a couple of videos to talk about it. Uh, him specifically, I didn't really have a lot of musical experience. And when he would pick up like a guitar song, he would just fiddle around on the guitar until he found something that he liked. And that really interests me, you know, because I have a musical background, but it's still sometimes difficult for me to come up with something creative when I'm, like, thinking, you know, playing guitar. So to have someone that just has no musical background, like, even the Beatles themselves, they had no musical background yeah. coming into it. Like, none of them knew any of the chords. Yeah. They just, you know, played a song and, or played some chords and found some lyrics that they liked and fitted to it. So that's just amazing to me. Yeah. So, like, uh, the specific example that I was thinking with, um, with Dave Grohl, was like he, he plays the drum, the he plays the guitar like the drums, like um, like he uses some of the strings like uh, washing on the cymbals and the, the other, just like absolutely amazing his approach to just guitar, uh, and it's uh, really apparent in the song Pretender, which is an absolutely amazing song. I think I did it once uh, at recessions, like at the end of the night, uh, and. Uh, and Professor Rex was in the crowd, and and he came up to me. He's like, "Oh my God, that song's awesome!" And that I didn't realize that um, that the Foo Fighters had a song that fast paced, which oh, was yeah. like absolutely like he's like, "Yeah, I totally <laughs> want to do that." You know, Professor Rex is uh, you know like really big into his raps, so uh, it's just really one of the and Professor Rex does sing it too, but uh, you know like when you have a song like that that's like built in that style, it's just it's a lot different than uh, some of their other stuff, but uh, David Grohl is uh, being from the well, being that we're in DC, he is uh, literally um, a, rock, a rock and roll local god <laughs> in this area. So, uh, like, uh, we are actually in the process of um, of uh, of finishing a card game that um, that should be released sometime soon, uh, and it actually has a lot of like um, like uh, required a lot of mining of, of facts so uh, within this mining of facts we uh, found that uh, we've uh, learned a lot about Dave, Dave Grohl yeah. and he's just absolutely amazing yeah he's just absolutely amazing uh, so uh, other things um, so uh, as far as karaoke how long have you been 
doing karaoke and what was the can you describe the first time you performed karaoke sure yeah uh, so I would say that I've actually probably been doing karaoke since I was eight years old, maybe. Uh, <laughs> it, it took a break between eight and, you know, high school. But, um, yeah, when I was eight, my parents, my sister and I, we went to this place in Ohio where I grew up. Um, it's called Kelly's Island. And Kelly's Island is a very interesting place. It's kind of like, um, you know, secluded island that has, like, little shops that you can go to. You can visit around, uh, see, like... Uh, restaurants and stuff but at the time when we were there um, there was karaoke set up at a yeah. place so my family and I went and sat down and my sister and I were like oh we really wanted to do this song so we both went up and sang uh, Backstreet Boys I Want It That Way and this is you know back when like Backstreet Boys had first come out so you know like or like the I Want It That Way kind of was first getting big so late 90s early 2000s Sorry, there's some sort of cavalcade going on behind us. It, it appears to be some kind of motorcycle um, event. And the cops have just actually uh, came by, are swinging by. Um, anyway, aside from that, uh, this will really test how well our mic system actually works. I don't know how much of this is actually going to be, be within, within the background. Uh, but based on our... Uh, our uh, voice analytics here. It definitely seems like it's registering. <laughs> um, that is a side note. I think they're almost done passing through. <laughs> I don't think it <laughs> It's hard to tell with these things. But, yeah, it's been an interesting recording so far. We've had Iron Maiden, which I do love Iron Maiden, in the background. And now we have a giant dirt bike slash motorcycle fest going right through right through 14th Street, which is quite interesting. But, you know, things happen, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, that's awesome that you've been uh, karaoke this long. Um, so, uh, how does karaoke make you feel? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much makes me feel, like, free, I guess, or kind of, it's a good release, I would say, since currently I, uh, my work is, like, engineering, so I do, like, programming-based stuff like that, so it's it's nice to have like an outlet that's like musical based and get like singing in other than just singing in the car or whatever yeah. what have you so yeah it's, it's really more more of like a um an outlet for me since i used to have so many outlets for music but now it kind of is limited so it's nice to have that yeah no i mean like um that's i think i think that uh, i can definitely relate to that um that whole singing in the car thing like uh prior to a few years ago well, <laughs> It's more than a few years. Like, part of like 2011, all of the singing I used to do was, was like in the car, only yeah. in the car. And uh, I think there was only really like, there was only like one landmark like um, thing that happened in my life that made me realize that, made me return to music. Uh, it was like, Walk the Line, the movie Walk the Line. I actually bought uh, like um, a. The greatest hits of like uh, Johnny Cash and just like had it like uh, in the CD player just going back and forth and it was just awesome. I mean, like, uh, you know, you may you may be like Tom, why don't you sing more Johnny Cash? But you know, I I, uh, I do uh, Johnny Cash is Johnny Cash is hard actually. Um, uh, you have to have that range. Yeah, uh, I can get. I wouldn't say it's range issue. I think it's more of um, 
I have to be in a mindset. Like, uh, like, stay low, stay low. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's like a, sometimes the I don't have the discipline. Ah, man. Like I break character, which is like uh, when you're singing and you break character, it doesn't work as well. So that's why I do enjoy singing Elvis and sometimes some musical stuff because you do. It is challenging to stay in character, and or at least the character that you're trying to uh, to personify, right? Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, I mean, um, now that we're at, so the other question I have for you. What is your go-to song for karaoke, if you have one? That is interesting that you mentioned about the um, kind of breaking character or character thing in singing. Never really thought of that for karaoke, but yeah, I guess that does make sense. Um, for a go-to karaoke song, I would say kind of, well, it's been a while since I've done this, but uh, Chandelier by Sia, <laughs> uh, Sam Smith, Lay Me Down, and then uh, Alice in Chains, uh, Man in the Box. Those are probably the three that I normally yeah. do. These are my favorites to do. because uh, Personally, I like those songs, and they kind of showcase my range the best, probably, I would say. Yeah. I just got to hear um, Keshev do uh, Man in the Box earlier today. It was excellent. It is, um, is, and uh, that's a, the thing about, about a lot of alternative uh, uh, music of that era is that it does have a, um, a very interesting grit and uh, high range, in fact. Um, uh, you know, like, uh, that song is like, to do it right, you, you want to have all the, the nitty details in it. So it's definitely like one of those things that, that uh, like, so uh, the band that, I, I haven't had a chance to lift, listen to as much uh, Alice in Chains, but I do love Man in the Box. Yeah. Uh, band that I usually compare to to um, that kind of style is Soundgarden. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is like um, the the voice range is just absolutely crazy, but it has this rough edge to it that you, you're not going to find... Well, it's uh, similar to a uh, Led Zeppelin sound, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Led Zeppelin uh, slash Jog. Also, like Guns N' Roses has that sound, too. Yeah. But yeah. The, well, the vocal quality. It's just like, you're just like, it's just this incredible range that has this low and this incredible high. You're like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, the adrenaline uh, and the band that's supporting him. Oh my God, it's just like, it's just, just amazing. Um, this, this combination of, of uh, perfection, uh, yeah. in a way. Uh, and uh, I would recommend listening to all those bands. But not just... For the hit songs, the even the like uh, super unknown, like uh, the songs on super unknown is is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, uh, like the, even the ones that don't get radio play. Um, and my favorite karaoke song from um, Soundgarden is actually not on an not on my favorite album of Soundgarden. It's um, actually from uh, it's a uh, Rusty Cage. Rusty oh, Cage is just absolutely just crazy. It's a crazy song that like, requires like an incredible amount of energy, and um, uh, so now that I mentioned well, my favorite song and um, for for uh, that that era kind of thing, it, uh, actually Rusty Cage is definitely one of my favorites. And uh, so, do you have a favorite album? Um, I don't know. Uh, in terms of albums, I I 
I owned a few growing up, but a lot of stuff I would listen to would be like radio stuff. So I, oh, okay. I never actually per se owned an album. My favorite album maybe that I own currently um, would probably be the uh, Beatles, like Abbey Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. classic stuff like that. Um, I, <laughs> I guess one album I listened to growing up <laughs> was uh, Will Smith's uh, Big Willie style. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> listen to that. I still listen to that every now and then. But yeah, that's some pretty good hits on there. You know, yeah. getting jiggy with it, Summertime. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, albums were ten, I kind of grew up more like song by song basis. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to like listening to an entire album, yeah. you know? I think I was pretty much right at the tail end of that album um, situation kind yeah. of thing in that uh, I would say that the the reason why I talk about albums a lot is that um, and uh, I'll need to remember to invite you to one of the rooftop parties that we're, we'll have at some point um, uh, at my place uh, I have a record collection that's why I talk oh. about albums <laughs> so so yeah uh, my favorite album is actually a classic rock album uh, it's uh, The Wall uh, oh, Pink Floyd? Yeah, which is, like, uh, it's probably a surprise to uh, people who've seen me karaoke, it would be The Wall, because uh, I literally don't ever do any Pink Floyd, because Pink Floyd is hard to do in uh, karaoke in that they were very experimental with, uh, you know, if I'm going to do, like, uh, like time or uh, money, like, I, I don't want to just sing the song. I want to be able to do all the... Like the goofy intro, like the, the, yeah. all the all the crazy sounds that go into it, and I don't memorize lyrics. I don't try to memorize those those uh, intricacies. Those are hard. Like uh, I can remember like style and range, but I, I oh, well, an interpretive range. I don't I don't consider myself as a musical purist. I it's how I hear it and uh, how I'm gonna express it. But um, I, I, if I was going to do those songs, it would have the background. So the only Pink Floyd song I think I've done so far is Wish You Were Here. <laughs> That's probably the best one to do musically. Yeah. Yeah. Even that one has a lot of instrumental, though. So it's, like, yeah. difficult to do that and not have just large breaks, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I understand that completely. You know, yeah. Pink Floyd has a lot of um, interesting things that they do with the vocally or melody, stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's why, like, I, there are some songs that I like that I, I still haven't done karaoke either. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you, I definitely would like you to come over at some point because uh, I actually do have a very interesting um, album collection that you I think you'd find, uh, like, pretty cool. Um, actually, like, uh, LP, so records. Right, yeah. Uh, so, the, I got started collecting records and LPs uh, when I saw my so my mom passed away when I was really young like uh, five oh. and uh, the one I was in high school and I was just uh, kind of looking through these old records that I'm like oh my god these records are from my mom and uh, what I found was like a uh, 45 of Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> oh, wow. I believe the B-side was actually uh, yeah I can't remember Maybe the B-side was actually um, uh, We Are the Champions uh, slash uh, We'll Rock You. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, uh, so it's Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Animals. Um, uh, animals, um, House of Rising Sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, so, yeah, like, I see this awesome, and uh, 
there was also uh, Magical Mystery Tour <laughs> and uh, Sergeant Pepper's uh, Lonely Hunters Club yeah. Band. Uh, and within Magical Mystery Tour, the inserts for Magical Mystery Tour, the actual like, like uh, pamphleted inserts mm-hmm. of like John Lennon, <laughs> like with the shovel and the spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. So this is definitely something I want you to uh, see. Uh, the stuff. Um, it's uh, it's a and that th- it got me started into record collecting. Right. So uh, shortly after that, I found I felt uh, had a, a love for the Who. I found them to be uh, visually very iconic, as in um, especially uh, Keith Moon's uh, um, uh, fashionable style. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aside from his uh, his nonsense, <laughs> but it was uh, and uh, the I always loved the Who and I collected a lot of Who albums and and then I got into uh, uh, a lot of Pink Floyd uh, albums and and uh, yeah uh, the stuff from Pink Floyd is just absolutely amazing and to see the growth process within that uh, when you have those albums uh, it's it's uh, definitely awesome eh? I have collected quite a bit. I have uh, actually Killers albums and and Smashing Pumpkin albums. Oh, nice. Like uh, I have a lot of recent stuff too. Uh, the recent stuff sometimes I have to go out of my way to hunt for it, but you can find it. And uh, record records, I love records because um, there's a certain sound that comes out of it. Uh, sometimes I actually do like the crackle sound <laughs> out of it, but. Uh, it does have this uh, music quality that that I find very uh, interesting. Um, so I definitely will invite you over uh, when we have one of the hangouts up up on oh, yeah, my roof. Sure. I actually have um, a couple albums at my place too. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I, some of them are left in Ohio. I'd like to get them back up here when I and I think I was planning on getting a record player too. But yeah, I'd love to come by. Yeah, uh, sure. I got a Creedence uh, Clearwater yeah. Revival album that I love. It actually has a bunch of their greatest hits yeah. on it. And so yeah, that's one of my favorite vinyls I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, the other... Oh, so being that you're from Ohio, did you you went to Ohio State? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I was going to ask because um, uh, within our friend group, there's a lot of people that went to Oberlin. Oh, yeah, I know Oberlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's an Obertones. It's the acapella group <laughs> oh, from okay. Oberlin. I, didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. I knew a, uh, one person. So I, I was actually in, at OSU. I was one of the founding members of our acapella group. Oh, which wow. is a, It was an all-male acapella, acapella group. We called it uh, Buck That with a B. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it started it around 2010, 2009-ish. And uh, one of the people from Oberlin, from the Obertones, um, I met him in a summer camp, like a summer choir camp thing. And I think he did a lot of the arranging and stuff like that. I think they've been around for like five years before us. Yeah. But yeah, Oberlin's a pretty interesting college. Went there also once for a acapella contest that we oh, did. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, uh, with uh, the reason why I mentioned Oberlin is because uh, um, our, our guest on our, on our second episode, um, uh, Ghetto Gandhi, uh, Devon, yeah. He's actually, you've met Devon. Yeah, so he's um, from Oberlin? Yeah, he's from Oberlin. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and um, Aubrey's from Oberlin. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, I believe that's the case. Um, are they both from Ohio, or they just went to Oberlin? I believe they, all of them went to Oberlin. I, I have to check this. And uh, also, uh, 
Charles Lasky? Yeah, no, I, I know Charles. Yeah, yeah, Charles. yeah. I believe all three of them are actually... That's why when you mentioned Ohio, I didn't realize that... Like, uh, I, I think uh, in passing, I kind of knew you were an Ohio State fan, but I didn't realize that you were from Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and acapella, um, uh, my friend Diana, who we'll ha- we will have as a, as a guest at some point uh, in the future... Is actually currently in an acapella group right now. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, it's uh, amazing to watch acapella because um, uh, it, it's uh, it's just a lot of a lot of fun to see. You know, like uh, to visit. It seems like there not seems. I'm certain there's a lot of teamwork needed to understand each other's voices. For and, sure, yeah, and uh, like uh, and and in that case, a lot of discipline within singing and within your own range and everything, which is. Uh, not what I do, but but it, it's fun to watch. It's a, definitely a lot of, I get like I have a lot of respect for it. It's just yeah. a lot. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. In this second half of the show, we're going to uh, um, let the let our guests kind of elaborate on something unique that uh, that I had priorly not known. That's um, an artistic uh, artistic uh, background, for example. Sure. Uh, so I was talking to Tom about this during the break. Um, but, yeah, something I touched on earlier was I started violin when I was five. Um, I did French horn when I was in sixth grade. I actually feel like I know about eight instruments proficiently or well enough to be able to say that I know them. So I started on French horn in sixth grade. After that, I was in choir um, sophomore year through high school. So that's when I started singing. Um, I started saxophone when I was a freshman in high school to do the jazz band. Um, I was also in the high school marching band when I was in high school, so I did mellophone, which is like the marching band French horn. Just imagine like a large trumpet with like a larger bell, and that's pretty much what a mellophone is. Um, I also picked up guitar in high school, just, you know, wanted to fool around. I got an acoustic. Um, And then one of my, like a couple of friends and I, we wanted to start a band. So we just did like a garage band for a couple years. I played bass. And the band did backup, acoust- uh, backup uh, vocals for that. Uh, other than that, I also played piano off and on. I was recently in a musical and did a accompaniment for that in piano. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that about covers it. I, I know a little bit of trumpet, but most of that comes from mellophone experience. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I think that really kind of helped shape my musical experience in general, growing up with a lot of different instrument backgrounds, starting on one when you're young, kind of, I feel like, helps you get an understanding for how music theory or just how you can apply it to other things. Because, like, when I did violin, it was very easy for me to pick up guitar because it's a lot of the same type of fingerings. You know, you're, you're using your left hand to do the uh, different notations and you're using your right hand to do the rhythm. Um, that also kind of helped with piano a bit, uh, a little bit, because it kind of, like, I'm right-handed, so piano was nice because I could do melody with my right hand and left hand I could do bass line. Um, French horn was nice. My violin teacher actually recommended I do that when I was starting um, instruments for like band in high school. Recommended French horn because it's good for the ear. Because you really have to get like an embouchure when you're doing French horn. Um, it's I think it's the tightest embouchure of like the brass instruments. Uh, if people aren't familiar with embouchure, it pretty much means that when you're like buzzing or blowing into a horn, um, it's very hard for or difficult for you to like move up to the next note. Um, just like buzz wise so like if you if it's a tough embouchure it's hard to differentiate between the two like just um, buzz wise so you have to get used to that really easily and hear what it sounds like 
Uh, so that's pretty much a lot of like the musical background I had came from that. Uh, aside from you know, obviously listening to radio stuff and the long car rides and stuff. That's absolutely awesome. Um, I, I mean, seriously, like uh, um, I still have a hard time like um, like distinguishing stuff. But actually, like uh, it's interesting that you mentioned like uh, listening to the radio stuff. There's actually a lot of um, some of the stuff that I like. Um, is actually not guitar driven in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I don't know if you know the song. Um, I think Starlight is actually a mix of like My bass. Muse? Yeah, it's a, a lot of bass, I believe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Starlight's a great song. I, I love playing that on like bass or piano. But yeah, it's, it is very bass driven, especially initially. It's bass and uh, keyboard driven because yeah. he, he plays on the keyboard for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so obviously, yeah, if anyone that's familiar with Muse, there's only three people in the band. Yeah. So it, it has to be driven by like either a strong bass line or the melody line has to be driving the, mel- the you know, um, lyrics through. Yeah. So yeah, I like those kind of songs too. Yeah. They really differentiate yeah. between them. There, there is a guitar riff in there too though, right? Somewhere? Uh, yeah, it kind of moves along with the bass line. Yeah. So it goes like, da, da, ba, 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 yeah. ba. And there's a, there's a whole solo thing that happens in the middle too. Yeah, I love that song too. Yeah, I love <laughs> it's one of my favorites, and um, and uh, it's kind of like uh, got me in a in a conundrum of like when I decide to learn a real instrument, what am I gonna learn? Like I actually own an acoustic electric um uh, that I bought um, back in like two thousand um, I want to say two thousand like uh, nine or ten. And I've had it for a while, and I just don't like it. Um, well, I mean, it's not the sounds that I don't like. Um, I just, um, like, um, it's, I just don't enjoy playing it in that it's not right for me. It, it's not heavy enough. <laughs> and, uh, and the other thing about it is, um, well, heavy in sound, but it's too bulky <laughs> for performance, you know, for performance aspect wise. I'm not really sure if this is uh, what I would really want. So, like, I've actually <laughs> watched more YouTube videos <laughs> than I probably should, considering that I don't know how to play an instrument. Um, I can, I mean, I can strum chords, but they, not, not proficient is what I would call. So, um, I do know that I would prefer a Stratocaster over a, uh, a uh, Les Paul because. Les Pauls are very heavy from what I've gathered. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, but at the same time, I also don't know if guitar is actually the right instrument in that a lot of your great um, uh, songs are very bass-driven. And this is also true for The Who, that has a lot of bass-driven songs. And this is one of those things where, like, uh, with uh, somebody as yourself, um, uh, you uh, started with guitar and you learn some bass too yeah so what are your feelings on this yeah i think uh that is something that you learn as you kind of listen or try and replicate songs more and more is that you think that oh this song is i can recognize the guitar when you hear it but then it's it's hard when you're playing just the guitar like oh i feel like it's missing something or i feel like something needs to be moving it forward so i I definitely do agree that there are quite a few songs that like are definitely bass driven. Um, that's why I, I, I liked picking up the bass when I was in high school. It was a different change of pace entirely, and it, it got it definitely got me 
more into the mindset of like, okay, how does this melody fit with the background? And how does the background fit with the melody? And that helps not only musically, but if, you know, creatively, um, gets you more big picture rather than uh, chunk. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like one interpretation of it. So there's also like um, one other influence from bass that I've been uh, paying a lot of attention to lately. There's this YouTube channel guy. I think his name is like Dave. And he like plays a single string like bass and he plays all sorts of bass. I think he played like a thousand notes within a minute. It was some of the most insane stuff I've ever seen, which is like really cool. I mean, uh, uh, and uh, bass, it sounds like you really, um, in order to have like um, bass also has a lot of the rhythm aspects of it in right, it, for sure. which is really pretty awesome. I don't know if you've seen this uh, this Dave guy I think on I YouTube. Yeah, I think I've seen some of his videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> recognize the name. I definitely know. I do. I do watch some um, bases on YouTube that like have really interesting show, uh, really interesting channels. Most of them are like they'll they'll show like covers or they'll um, while they're playing they'll have like the tab going, and uh, that that just helps like with like hearing it. I think. I, the guy that you're talking about, Dave, he does like a bunch of really interesting stuff with oh, the yeah. bass in general. Like people on his, I think, comments will like challenge him to do something, yeah. and it'll be That's like true. something you wouldn't think that a bassist can do. Like, yeah. you know, play play both parts to this song on bass yeah. <laughs> at the same time. You'd be like, yeah. okay, well, I can do it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very interesting channel, and yeah, yeah that definitely is. Um, it kind of intrigues me, and also makes me want to get back into bass. I j- I recently got. Um, a bass from one of my friends back at home. He didn't want it anymore, so it was, it was nice. It was like a free bass, and it's, it's all right. It's a pretty good quality. So it, I've been trying to pick it back up and relearn, you know, the strum patterns or you know, bass lines, stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, one of the episodes that I can definitely say is, like, aside from the 1,000 um, like notes per minute <laughs> which is really entertaining to watch because he doesn't just play a thousand notes and it sounds like garbage it's actually really, it sounds awesome uh and then uh he does a 600 note one too uh both are just incredible but the the one that actually also stands out is there's this like uh dead mouse uh like uh is it's actually on record saying that you know dead mouse is uh um, very creative in that he uh, visualizes music in a very different way. He doesn't, in a way, it seems like he doesn't have uh, the classical formal training of a, how to play a bass, but he does it through, all through uh, EDM, so uh, electronic music, and he can figure out the chords and get the instrument of the chord, and he, you know, like uh, figure out figure out all the 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 note pat like a uh, note and generates all the notes, but. And what's interesting is that he's on record saying that you can't play this bass riff <laughs> for this song. And, you know, it's hilarious because Dave goes and, like, plays it. It's awesome to watch. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. I don't think I have. I really want to check that out, though. I love those kind of videos where they just kind of prove someone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, something that you think would be impossible yeah. that you can't do. Like, there was, I think it was a video I saw. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Fifth Element. Oh, there's an opera in it that's yeah. supposed to be impossible for a human voice oh. to replicate. I think in the in the actual movie they had two people do like both parts. Yeah, because it goes extremely high and extremely low oh, yeah, in the vocal yeah. range, like for yeah. a woman. Yeah, and then there's a video of just this girl doing it live, 
during a concert, and it's insane. Yeah. Just the amount of range and vocal quality that this person yeah. has, it's yeah. insane. I love watching those kind of videos. Yeah. Kind of testament to the human yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, quality or, you know, the, <laughs> the interesting thing about, you know, working at something for so long and being able to accomplish something like that. Yeah. It's very intriguing. Yeah. And <laughs> I think... Uh, a few of us have been silly enough to try to do that. I think I tried to do that today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, singing a uh, heart full of love uh, by Miss Rob. Both parts. It's um, uh, it's not recommended, especially for that song. I uh, I still don't. I uh, my fault. Uh, falsetto I can do, but I find that my falsetto falls more into the range of uh, a lower uh, female voice. Like if I. That I'm af- I'm happy with. So like uh, I find that I love doing Fleetwood Mac. Stephen Nicks' voice is is a uh, lower differential, and she goes high enough that there's enough play share. Um, uh, has that kind of register too. Uh, there's other other female um, artists that do, but I definitely cannot do any Evanescence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. And and uh, with with opera, it's even harder. I think I tried to do, like, uh, yeah. If you uh, most of it you have that haven't met me, I'm, you know, like, uh, I'm uh, a what do you call it, an experimentalist in that, yeah, like, um, I will try something and um, you know, and I'll come back and try it again. But, but uh, it's one of those things that you don't, you don't learn if you don't experiment is usually how I approach it because I actually don't have any formal training so so it's one of those things where I'm just happy to be able to sing <laughs> so uh, to go high and low is like really really challenging um, specifically I think uh, I tried to do Phantom of the Opera both parts which like was a I wasn't happy with and uh, even uh, even um, uh, all I ask of you but the Christine part and uh, the, um, it's just not it's really difficult. Like uh, that, Christine's voice is, um, it's lower for all I ask of you than Phantom. Right. Phantom yeah. Opera. But it's still like um, very difficult. But I am possibly maybe going to go back to it because today's, I was actually pretty happy with the vocal quality wasn't terrible, but the transitions were just way too fast between Cosette and Maria. So it was like, uh, this is, yeah, this is definitely yeah, needs <laughs> so much more polish. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you, you sing in uh, both, um, well, I mean, I got, you will play around and experiment in, in low and high ranges. I wasn't sure like, uh, uh, how much you've played around with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I try not to seclude myself to a gender, <laughs> singing-wise. Um, I, I don't remember the last song I did that had both male and female parts at the same time that I've done. Because, um, yeah, normally, like Tom said, that you, it, it gets kind of muddled, especially because those songs normally are typically meant to be duets. Yeah. So you'll, you'll be singing a part that won't have the melody, or you'll be singing a part that like, you know, is missing something. Um, so yeah, I, I, I try to have a wide range. Most, most of it is just because I have a, I have like a 10 or 1 range. So it is kind of right in the crux of like uh, a male singer slash a female singer. I've, I've been able to do, you know, obviously like uh, Sia or I've done Rihanna in the past, like songs. Um, I've tried a couple of Beyonce songs. <laughs> uh, my range is kind of high, but it does top out at about like a, an A, uh, I believe an A4 or A5. It, 
I know C5 is top soprano. I've, 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 it's been a while since I've brushed up in the musical theory. Um, but yeah, I sometimes top out C5s too, but <laughs> those are typically belted and don't sound great. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, I've been, this is really all, like, um, I think you're the first guest that's, um, we've had that plays this number. There's many instruments and it can offer us this much insight on music. Oh, sure. And, no, and sorry, yeah. maybe I should have clarified what I meant by C5 and C4, stuff like that. I don't know, I don't know if uh, people don't know. It, it is kind of a weird thing. Um, so in music in general, um, they classify like the note of, like, on a piano or in general by the notation and the number. So C4 is middle C. So if you're on a piano and you play the note that's like pretty much right almost dead center of the piano that's C, that's called C4. Uh, or C3. Crap, I don't remember which one. So it's C3 or C4. I know C5 is the octave above you know, C4. So it goes like C4, um, D4, E4, F4. It goes like that, no, you know, notation-wise. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I meant by it. Yeah. So tenors normally have a range from about E, I think E4, so the E below, like top soprano seat. Um, I guess for reference, if Tom mentioned the Phantom of the Opera song, at the end, uh, Christine hits a high D. <laughs> that's, that is a D5 or D6. <laughs> and it's insanely high. And that, that's above, that's like soprano range, typically tops out what most sopranos can do. Yeah. Um, and so, so soprano range typically goes like a, that D to an E. Tenors normally go to like the A below that. Yeah. And that's kind of where my range goes to. So one of the, the most memorable uh, performance karaoke experiences I've ever had is with this um, with uh, my friend Jess, and she, like uh, I believe that she says that it's not as high, but it is unbelievable how high she gets. So like uh, we did Phantom of the Opera, like uh, and so actually was. Uh, I wasn't trying to do it all by myself, so I just like had to focus on, on um, the, um, the phantom part, which uh, actually, as much as I like to sing, try to sing low, it's never no, as low as I like it. So like, uh, I love uh, the reason why I love singing uh, Les Misérables is because of uh, Colm Wilkinson. I don't know if you're familiar with who Colm Wilkinson is, but Colm Wilkinson is uh, like uh, I believe it's the I want to say it's is it. He's uh, one of the people that sings uh, Les Miserables, uh, Jean-Marc part, part, which is like like a very, it's actually lower, but he has a very, like, this uh, voice that's very incredibly, um, he projects really well. Right. But um, about one of my friends also mentioned that I love singing Bring Him Home, but I also don't sing it right. And that Bring Him Home is not meant to be belted. Uh, supposed to be more of a delicate song, but, yeah, yeah. but uh, the, the way that he projects and how low it is is uh, absolutely amazing to me. So like uh, you know, when I was doing Phantom, it was uh, I was trying to go low. It definitely didn't come off as low, but it was lower than what I normally sing. You know, so it's uh, but uh, with her balance of just like the the Christine part, this just nails it. It's yeah. absolutely amazing, especially the you know it like. It's like a pulse pattern going to that high note. You're like, you're, oh my god, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, when you mentioned the, uh, 
Yeah, like Phantom of the Opera. It's just, yeah. So we will have just uh, on an episode uh, at some point very soon, we hope. Um, uh, and um, so uh, I'm happy with this uh, portion of the, the segment here and that you've been able to offer us like this musical insight that most of us don't <laughs> don't don't have um, the knowledge for, but we we just re- really enjoy. So um, so to close out this this episode, wanna kind of inquire how how your um, how your KJ experience has been so far. Sure. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. It's been going by pretty smoothly at times. I mean, obviously we'll have uh, some issues here and there. That just comes with any sort of hobby or job that you do. But I really enjoy it. You know, singing and karaoke has always been kind of a passion of mine. So it's nice to kind of have that. (laughs) Something I'd probably be doing anyways, get a little bit of extra buck for is nice to have. Um, In general, I mean, it's it's been nice. I've, I've been the only one in charge of the... Uh, KJ here at the pinch, so it's it's nice to have that kind of um, thing to do on my own. Uh, since the, for the ones on Thursday at Sully's, we've been sharing that kind of rotating, but for this, it's pretty much all me. So any, I mean, the advertising is a little bit of like hard to get out the word, but I do enjoy being here and um, you know having that time to connect with someone, especially because this one's a little bit more like. Uh, cozy, I could say, and personal. But yeah, I, I don't think I've definitely had a lot of experience with KJ that I have a negative side of. I think pretty much for the most part, it's it's been very nice and positive. Um, so I'm I'm glad I did reach out to, or when I came here for the <laughs> No Pants Party for Oppie's thing, I I, I am kind of glad that I did um, ask Oppie if I could become a KJ because, like Tom was mentioning, I. Uh, I just started doing the thing at the party because I felt like everything was just kind of being chaotic and <laughs> didn't have a little, you know, people were just kind of not sure what to do. So it, it was nice to help out just because I'd didn't, been doing karaoke for so long before that. So it was just kind of the next step for me. So I've enjoyed it so far, for sure. I'd like to keep doing it as long as I'm here, I guess. So um, a reminder is um, right now we have... Um, Costume karaoke at the Pinch the first Sunday and the third Sunday of every month. So um, this is during the daytime. So uh, for m- many of us karaoke people, we may feel like vampires. <laughs> but guess what? We get to party during the day too. So come out, support, support, um, support Keshev and have a great brunch. Get to sing your heart out. Definitely come out and join us. I mean, I think that... Um, uh, I've had a lot of fun, and uh, Professor Rex also have, has had a, a lot of fun um, the last several weeks doing this, and we definitely are open to having more people join us, and um, the more the merrier. Uh, the other thing, uh, uh, I guess, um, uh, could you uh, end, let's uh, end the segment on um, a, uh, on a, uh, on a KJ experience that's either your favorite KJ experience thus far or the funniest KJ experience you've had thus far. Mm. You know, that's for just to kind of close it out on, a, on an interesting note. Okay. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, probably the most interesting, I would say, it was my first time um, hosting solo 
for KJ hosting, we normally do like the first one, you're uh, being shadowed by someone or you're shadowing uh, someone. I think the first one I, act- I hosted, I was shadowing Carrie, the Carrie Epps, I don't know if you're familiar with, but she's the one the KJ hosts. Um, the second one, um, I believe Aubrey was shadowing me. So I was kind of more hosting, and then she was just there to help along with anything else that we needed. And the third one, which is the first solo one I ever had, um, I believe that first one I actually solo hosted was when the Caps were uh, doing their whole, yeah, we're, we're like game four, game five. It was, it was like the championship for, yeah. for yeah, Stanley Cup. Yeah. And so it was either my first or second one hosting by myself. And so it was interesting to do. And I remember it was kind of like, it was nice to have, but at the same time, people weren't really paying attention to the song. So, but I, the atmosphere was insane. And then when they actually won, um, we played We Are the Champions. Like, I played We Are the Champions, and everyone like sang together, and it was like an awesome experience to see everyone just singing together on the stage and <laughs> got a video of it. And Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite experiences so far, was being there and hosting that. Yeah. Um, other than that, yep, not, uh, pretty much every single one I've, I've hosted so far, I've had at least one thing that I've enjoyed about the night, you know, whether it's seeing someone and them thanking me or, you know, just hearing a song that I hadn't heard in so long. I'm like, oh, man, that's a, that's a throwback to <laughs> the 80s or 90s or whatever I last heard that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's always a fun time to have. Yeah. That, that no, was was amazing. I mean, like, um, I actually... I mean, uh, I haven't really gotten, gotten into... I've never been able to get into hockey that much. But, uh, yeah, I am... Uh, you know, like, uh, I live in the greater Washington, D.C. area. So I'm obviously happy and, like, ecstatic when the Capitals can... You know, and the Capitals have been good. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the, like, the last 10 years for that, for that matter. But, like, for them to finally win it. Which is like awesome, and to have uh, "We Will Rock You" followed by "We Are the Champions" is just absolutely awesome. It's a, it's probably a. I mean, being your first night, it's uh, it's just gonna be hard to top that one. Probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, with that, I'm gonna sign off. Um, it's been great having uh, Keshev uh, here, and we hope that you'll come and visit us at either Sully's or the Pinch. Uh, and I'm hoping to see uh, Keshev. And more of our musical events, uh, such as the, 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 our concert series in uh, December or perhaps in the spring and, and uh, next summer, we're probably going to have more events. And uh, we, we hope that he will be able to share with us his uh, um, uh, re-exploration of his musical roots and share, about, share like uh, creative content with us. I just... Um, uh, RevX is all about creation and, and sharing and having fun. So um, we're just really, really just, it's been great having Keshav here as a guest. Oh, yeah. And this is Tom Kazi signing off on episode eight of Voices.